All right. Hey, everybody. Hey, welcome, 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 welcome to another live stream. So glad you are here. We do this every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time here at DansFish.com. I am Dan, your friendly fishmonger. Glad to have you all here. Oh, there's an ad playing. Hang on. I'll, <laughs> I'll skip that. There we go. Oh, wait. The chat is not quite live. Hang on. Little technical difficulty here. I was uh, really rushing because I thought I had more time. I was just kind of relaxing, getting everything up. And then I looked and I was like, oh, what? it's time. There we go. Bam. Chat's up on the screen. Well, I hope you all had a wonderful week since I saw you last. Um, I've got some exciting stuff to talk to you about today. Um, and let me tell you what that is before we get into it. First is I'll update you on the uh, kind of expansion where we're at with that. Then I'm going to tell you about some awesome fish I got in, like stuff that is really cool. And um, I'll talk a little bit about that. And then we'll get into chatting with each other, your questions and comments, which if you make them at Dance Fish, so they highlight, I'll see and get right to. Um, also, for those that might have missed it last week, did a live stream that I think is pretty cool and worth checking out if you didn't see it. It's on breeding fish for profit, but a little different take on it. It's breeding fish for profit that's like like meaningful, like to the point where perhaps it could actually become a living or a massive subsidy or a lifestyle change, something like that, instead of just a little fish food or, you know, a little extra to buy another aquarium or something like that. So kind of gets into the nuts and bolts, I think, of the um, economics behind the decisions that need to be made when you set up a breeding fish for true profit type of setup, whether it's just in your garage or your basement or, or you have three aquariums or a, a larger facility. So I think that's worth checking out. Hmm. So let's jump right into it. Um, let's see here. Here we go. So here's stuff that I just listed that is now ready to go. The first is Bolivian rams. Uh, we all know and love Bolivian rams, I'm sure. But if you don't know this fish, check it out. It's like the blue German ram, um, but it doesn't need the super high temperature that those do. It has easier temperature requirements. So it's kind of a, a hardier fish. And this group has been rock solid. I haven't lost any. And they're eating flakes and pellets just fine, along with frozen and live and all the treats. But they're, I think they're going to settle in and just be super easy for you if you're looking for those. Then this is for 54 Punchy. We've got some Emerald Dwarf Rasboras, one of her favorite fish. And I'm going to hold some for her um, to give to her when I see her in September. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. You're all invited to... Come join with us in Billings, Montana in September. We'll get to that in just a moment. Now, here's what I got in Monday. They're not ready yet, but I finally got some rice fish, and the ones I got are the Galaxy. So they look kind of like this. They're basically like a platinum rice fish. But what you're not seeing here is um, these iridescent uh, scales, kind of like stars, I guess, shining. I think that's why they're called galaxy. Um, I haven't found any really good pictures of them. So that's kind of the best to show you is that kind of platinum looking rice fish. 
when they really do pop, they are kind of like a stark platinum white. Then I'm really excited about this one. I finally got some more Samurai Garamis in. They're doing great. This is my favorite of this genus, kind of the chocolate garami type garamis. Uh, the females get this beautiful color. The males are still cool, but this is a male holding eggs, not the bright colors. And they're just such a neat fish. I, I love chocolate garamis, but especially the samurai garami. And they're so hard to get. I was really lucky. My supplier actually contacted me last week and said, I know you like this fish. I've got a lead um, and hooked me up. So thank you so much to my supplier. You know who you are if you're watching this. And then the last one, I've ordered these probably 12 times in the last few months. They finally came in. It's the green lizard loach, which is a species of hillstream loach, but it's quite unique. It doesn't have the flattened body that your typical hillstream loach has. It's kind of more along the shape of a, a regular loach, but with those elongated fins. And I haven't identified exactly which species it is yet, but... Um, it looks pretty much exactly like these here. So I don't think it's going to be hard to identify. So that is kind of the exciting what came in and what just got listed for sale. Um, other stuff that I was out of, I've kind of restocked some Congo Tetras and some other things. But those are kind of the new to the fish room items that got in and that I'm, I'm really excited about. Now, let's show you guys real quick about this, this trip. So, um, 54 Punchy is organizing, along with some other folks, this. And if you want to know more about it, go to this Facebook group, KOA Fish Fam Camping Trip. Anyone that can get to Billings, Montana, this should be really fun. Um, and 54 Punchy will be there, and Candy will be there, and, and several people will be there. And I'll be there. Um, and I'm opening my fish room up. So I think it's Sunday. Anyone can come over and check out the fish room. Take video if you want. Look at stuff if you want. And just geek out. And if, uh, if you do that, then I'm going to cook a barbecue here. So you can come, have a barbecue, check out the fish, and just kind of nerd out and have a pleasant evening is the idea. So... I'm opening up my, my facility for that, so I hope that helps uh, folks want to come. But I think it's going to be a really cool thing. It's in Billings, Montana, which is pretty easy to get to. There's an uh, airport right there. And I know there's not a lot of like people that are like, oh, I live an hour away. I'll just drive because like, this is a pretty sparsely populated part of the U.S. But that's what makes the trip interesting. It's going to be it's really beautiful country up here and there's some awesome mountains and stuff. And so if you like camping or glamping, then, you know, you can get a, you don't have to camp. You could also just get a Airbnb and come hang out during the day. You know, that's all fine. Anyway, just wanted to put a shout out for that. Um, I know, uh, 54 punchy, uh, Pam early wine has been working hard to get that up and running. And so I, I want to help her out because she helps me a lot. And plus, I'm excited to meet you all. This is a good chance for me to meet some fish nerds that I don't usually get to meet very much. So that is more or less what is going on here. Now, the update on the facility, this is the last thing that I'll 
I think, unless something else pops in my wee little head. Um, oh, before I get to the update on the facility, I finally caught up on YouTube comments today. I was way behind. I'm, I've always been pretty good at getting to those comments within, within a couple days or so usually. But planning this expansion and all the meetings I have to have and all the stuff I have to do for it is just sucked away any extra time I had and more and beyond. And so it's just been really hard. But today I was like, I'm doing it today. I'm not going to get on the live stream and tell people again, sorry, I couldn't get your comments. So finally got to everyone's comments and it was like two weeks worth of comments. That's, I've never been that far behind before. So I apologize, but I'm all caught up and I'm going to endeavor, even though things are still busy to get right to your comments a lot quicker and not let that happen again. That was not good. That was bad. Bad damn. Bad. Um, anyway, the facility. So I've met with some more contractors and got some more estimates and things. Um, had some good talks with the county today. And it does seem that it might be possible to do what I want to do, which is divert some water from a local river or creek, run it through the facility, and then clean it, get it all back and return it. So it looks like there are some ways to actually do that and to process things in a way that won't be detrimental to the natural environment on the outside as the water returns to the system. And so the county is uh, interested enough that they're talking with me and being supportive and trying to help me find a way to make that happen. So that was really encouraging. Now, I have a meeting with the city tomorrow just in case um, that doesn't end up going through and then, and then I can, you know, use the typical city water like any local business would, but that's where we're at. So we're working to see if we can't, uh, make that happen and find a location where that can happen in a system that can make sure that we're all within regulations and, and even above regulations if need be. I'm not going to return water that, that is not good for the local creek or river. That's that's not in the that's not in the cards. So working hard on that. So that's where we're at. It's pretty exciting. And I'm really close, like super close to being far enough along to go start uh, finding investors. And that's kind of where we're at in that process. So thought you might want to know. Anyway, um, that's the update. That's what's been going on besides. Oh, no, this happened. This happened yesterday. I finally got a spawn of this fish, which I've been trying to spawn for quite a while. Boom. Betta Bellis. I have two spawns. I got a spawn yesterday and I got a spawn today. And I am just thrilled. I'm over the moon because this is a fish that I think we should have in the hobby regularly. Because it's a betta that you can keep in groups. You don't have to jar these. You don't have to keep these separate. You can keep them all together. So imagine an aquarium full of beautiful bettas. Ah, how cool is that? So I'm just super thrilled about this. So the goal is, of course, to raise up those spawns and, and uh, hopefully get some, pass them around, have some of you folks raise up some spawns and get it to the point where we don't have to only import this fish from Asia anymore. That's pretty much how it is right now. And the ones that are available 
in the United States um, are often jarred. So often they're folks that breed them with IBC and want to show them and things. And to get the perfect finish, they'll jar them. Once you jar them, then it's more difficult to keep them in a community, to return them to a community because it's like the cichlid thing. The whole pecking order gets thrown off and all that. And they get a little used to being alone. So I'm hoping we can do some community raising of these fish and have a nice peaceful betta that we can keep not just in a sorority, but you know, you can keep males and females together in big groups. And uh, it's a sight to, to behold. My, my kind of, my, my fish godfather, Jim Forche, the first time I ever went to his fish room, one of the things that blew my mind was I believe a 30 gallon aquarium full of betta embellus, males and females all living together in a big group. And these were full blown adults and they weren't trashed or shredded or anything. They were getting along just fine. So that's one reason I like the species so much. So anyway, I'm thrilled, absolutely thrilled about that. Um, I've got a bunch of green water ready full of like paramecium and infusoria. And so I think I'll be able to raise them. This is the first spawn though for each of these males. So we'll see, we'll see how successful they are. At, at raising them. Sometimes it can take a male a few spawns before they get the hang of it. So we'll see. Um, all right. With that awesome news about the betta embellus, sometimes called the peaceful betta for obvious reasons, I'm going to start getting to your uh, questions and comments and get some chat going. So let me scroll up and see what I've missed chat-wise. Oops. Hang on, I'm messing up my display here accidentally. There we go. Oh, geez. I'm in top chat. I'm going to leave it in top. No. Okay. I'm going to switch it to live chat so that I don't miss anyone. That might mean that the chat gets revamped and maybe I don't see some stuff that was already posted. So if I if I skip you accidentally, it's just because... I forgot to go with live chat at the beginning, had to switch and things got hidden. In which case, just please repost your question or comment. I'm not ignoring you on purpose. That fish kid, dang, I was just in Montana and it was so good. You want to come back in September. When is that again? Um, let's, that is September 14th, 15th and 16th are the dates, September 14th, 15th, and 16th. Still plenty of time to get an Airbnb or uh, get a, there's there's some extra campsites. There's some extra room at the campsites. So if you go to the Facebook group, KOA Fish Fam Camping uh, Trip, KOA Fish Fam Camping Trip, then um, you can message, is there a site available? And someone will be like, oh yeah, because I know we got some extra sites. We Pam, I believe I got some extra sites and some other folks too, just in case someone needed uh, one later before they all got reserved. Terrence Blayton, once we make you famous, you'll never get to our comments. Well, that's a problem we will have to figure out when we get there. And I don't have a clue how to handle it. I don't. Um, all I can promise is I'll keep the barrier to contact as low as possible. I, I want to be able to have the contact and things, but I've been doing this for a while now 
ain't big and famous yet. So it could be a while, Terrence. <laughs> it's it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint right now. We are the hare. I mean, the tortoise, not the hare for sure. Candy says, I miss Lumpy. Anyone seen him lately? No, Candy, I have not. I'm wondering that too. Um, hopefully someone can chime and be like, oh yeah, I saw him yesterday. He was good. If not, I might, I might need to reach out to Lumpy Dog and see how he's doing. Which reminds me, thanks to my mods, Candy Overholes and Bob Kaler, or Kaler's Aquatics are here right now. Um, wherever Lumpy Dog is in the world, he's been a huge help to this channel since really early on. He was my first mod ever. And um, Candy, uh, oh, and 54 Punchy, uh, who is not here yet that I saw, but will probably join us in a bit. By the way, I named this the pre-54 Punchy, Punchy Aquarium Fish Stream because 54 Punchy will be going live at 9.15 tonight. So after me, 54 Punchy will go live. So if you like stories and um, yeah, and just a good time, it's a fun live stream. Chewy LTD, I realize that you have work to do and know you are busy about comment responding. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for understanding. It's still two weeks is too long. Ed Young replied back to your reply. Awesome, Ed. I'm glad. I'm glad. Small Fry Aquatics, please excuse me gushing. Amy Supplier miracled me to a dozen Chech Longfin Super Red. So jazzed. Awesome. I am glad to hear that. That is really cool. I don't know who Amy Supplier is, but getting a bunch of Longfin Super Reds is not a bad thing ever. <laughs> QELTD, is the Betta that you just spawned part of the Betta Splendens complex? Yes, Betta Embellus is in that complex along with Betta Splendids, um, but uh, I can never say it. Mahakai, I think, uh, Betta Smaragdina, and is there another one in there? Maybe. So they're pretty much, they look like a wild, oh geez, I did it again. No wonder we're hemorrhaging viewers. We like dropped like 11 viewers and I was like, what's going on? Because I did the ultimate loop feedback thing. I forgot to switch the screen. Ah, sorry about that. Um, they're just, they look like a wild bed of splendens, but they haven't been bred for fighting. So they've, they're, they're peaceful enough. You can keep them together. They're an egg. Uh, I'm sorry. They're a bubble nester. Eggs are about the same size. Fry are about the same size. Care is about the same for the babies. So if you can breed Bettisplendens, and lots of people have bred Bettisplendens, then you should be able to breed and raise Betta Embellus as well. And in fact, it's even easier because you don't have to jar them. So, yeah. Well, if you guys don't mind, now that we fixed the uh, infinite loop of uh, forgetting to switch, watching the replay for me forgetting to switch the camera back. Um, if you wouldn't mind liking, sharing, doing all that stuff to get people in here now that we're up and functional in a uh, in the way we should be, that would be appreciated. Sorry, everyone. I, I hate it when I forget to switch that camera back. The worst was a few weeks ago when I had a guest on. I had my fish godfather, Jim Forche, on the show. I think it was like a good 20 minutes that you were watching the replay, um, infinite loop thing. Yeah. Anyway, I don't usually do that, but when I do, ugh, it ain't good. 
Aqua balls, I just put it in the tank, an African leaf fish. I've never seen an African leaf fish in person. I would love to. I think that's a Nandus species, right? Let's see. African leaf fish. Is it? Oh, no, it looks kind of like a Tenopoma. Okay, I'm going to do this, and I'm not going to forget to switch back. So is this, right? This has to be a Tenopoma of some sort. Is that correct? What is an African leaf fish? I'm not sure exactly. That's cool, though. I've never seen these in person, which is why that comment grabbed my attention. I've seen them on the lists lately, um, but I'm holding out for the South American leaf fish because that's one I know better. But I would love to learn more about it. If, if anyone here, including uh, Aquaballs, has experience with them, um, if you just got them, you might not you know, be able to answer their, any questions or give a lot of information yet, aqua balls, but how big do they get? Can you keep them together? Um, how hardy have they been for you? Those kinds of things, because I have been in the back of my mind thinking mm, that might be a neat one to get in, but I don't know enough about them to do it yet. Kevin's Aquatics, see Monica's comment above. Thanks, Bob, for bringing that to my attention. Bob Kaler is so helpful. Yes, he referred me to you for silver dollar fish. I hope you can get me some nice quality ones and maybe multiple kinds to encourage schooling. Do you have any now? So Monica, thank you. And Bob, thanks for referring Monica over. Let me show you what we can do, Monica. I don't personally have any silver dollars. I have silver hatchets, which are all these swimming behind me. No silver dollars. But if we go here, let's check something. Let's see if this website does. And we're striking out. So I am sorry. I don't have any. Um, Get Gills doesn't have any, which is a website that I own. But um, see, your silver dollars, they're, they're fairly common fish. In fact, let me just check something real quick. Another place. Um, one moment. This will only take a moment. Then we'll be back. I'm not abandoning you. I promise. I promise. Okay, here we go. Yeah, no, not there either. Well, I hate to recommend competition, but you might want to check out Aquabid. I'd be surprised if Aquabid.com did not have any silver dollars uh, for sale. Someone there has got to have them. So, yep. Sorry, Monica, I don't have any. Um, and I agree. Bob is helpful. He's wonderful. Orange cones. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Construction here. Did you ever sell Battis Battis? Yes, I would love a few. Yes, I have sold them. Um, did a video on them fairly recently. Well, Jesus, probably been a year or so. And the issue I had with them is they didn't sell very well. So I got one batch sold through them. And I haven't replaced them just because in such a limited space as I have, I can't uh, afford to have fish in my aquariums that people aren't actively purchasing and interested in. That being said, I feel like when I get the larger facility that'll with more varieties, that'll draw enough new people in that I probably can try them again because they're an amazing fish absolutely wonderful little chameleon fish they're called and I like them a lot one thing about them if you get them though is just be prepared that they need live and frozen food 
I personally have never gotten them to eat flakes or pellets with any kind of regularity. They might like nibble at it, but I'm not confident they're actually ingesting it. So just be prepared for um, live food and frozen food if you have batis batis. And they tend to stay towards the bottom. So you're going to want to give them stuff that sinks. They like little caves, little coconut caves, flower pots, uh, anything like that. PVC pipes even. Uh, kind of think of them as like a garami cross with a cichlid maybe. So cichlid-like in wanting to live in caves and breeding caves and things like that. Garami-like just because they're really closely related to garamis uh, and they, uh, they're not really vicious fish. You can keep groups of them together uh, without any problems. So that's my thoughts on that. Wish I had some to sell you. I think I have, I, I actually think I do have a couple right now, but I didn't sell those because they're, they're like the ones that had messed up fins or deformed a little bit in some way. So I don't have any for sale, but they are cool fish for sure. Killers Aquatics, remember to use at Dan's Fish so Dan sees your comment or question. Thanks, Bob, for reminding folks of that. Ginger Graves, Ginger, it's great to see you. So good to see you again. I caught my Cochina spawning. Yes! <laughs> That's awesome. That is a species worth spawning and distributing because they're pretty much all wild caught at this point. Wild caught in Asia and shipped over here. If we can start captive breeding that fish, that would be amazing. I caught my cochinas, beta cochina, spawning. I saw them catch a few eggs and put them in the bubble nest. No idea if they're still there. I don't think so. I was very excited to see them spawn, though. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's step one. Now that you know that they are doing it, if you feel so inclined, you can, you know, be ready for the next one. That is cool. For those that don't know this fish, beta cochina, one of the prettiest fish in the world. Here they are. They are small, inch and a half, maybe two inches on a massive one. They're red and they get like a wine red, like a burgundy, but they get this neat iridescent spot on the side here. Really cool fish. And I'm going to switch back before I forget again. But Ginger, I'm just thrilled. Um, I'm thrilled that you were successful in keeping them and to the point where you're spawning them. That's amazing. Rick Stidham, over a hundred turquoise guppies now. <laughs> they just needed to get out to the pond in case my previous post was during chop, top chat. Yeah, I didn't see your previous post. So Rick, that's great news. Um, yeah, I'm glad they are doing their thing for you. And I love that strain. I think they're amazing. But I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, when you told me that they weren't really producing... I was like, man, what is going on? I, but I'm glad he cracked it. That's awesome. Chewy LTD, I know that the Betta Splendids group is often hybridized, so I'm thinking that those would be a good stock for people that breed Bettas. Your thoughts? Yes. Um, I do not believe that the ones I have are hybrids. The hybrids have a pretty – you can kind of – I don't want to be cavalier and say you can always tell. It's not that. But they look different. I have bought Betta Embellus before from breeders, like Asian fish farms, and they were never Betta Embellus. They were hybrids. They look like a placat, um, like a steel blue. Let me see if I can show you a picture. Uh, actually, no, I don't want to do that. That might take some time. Um, 
like a platinum basically color, like a dragon, like a dragon scale, that kind of metallic look. So they looked like a Placat Splendens and they weren't nice at all. You could not keep them together. They, they had the Splendens aggression. The ones I have now are wild caught. Um, so they're the pure species. They have not been hybridized. And I'm not saying that because I actually flew there and collected them myself and know this to be true, but I can tell by their behavior. I can tell by their color and I can tell by the fact that it's not super obvious who's male and female until uh, pretty far along that these are, are, you know, not hybrids. There's no splendens in this, in this species. So yeah, it would be a great line to start with for someone who's wanting to do beta embellus um, without having the hybridization issue, which you often have with beta embellus if you're buying from a fish farm. Those are all hybrids. In my experience, I've never seen a pure beta embellus come out of the fish farm. So I wish they would. I mean, they're, they're as easy to spawn as <laughs> beta splendens. So it would be amazing. But yeah. <laughs> Ginger to Chewy. I read your comment is beta spandex. Now, the next time we discover a species of beta, we know what to name it. Beta spandex. <laughs> Reminds me of that Eddie Murphy movie where he's like spandex, all spandex. Okay. Chewy LTD. Silver dollars seem to be a tetra that is hardly ever spawned. Do you think it is due to the fact that people that have Tanks large enough keep other families of fish more than them. I don't have any idea, Chewy. They are indeed a tetra. They're a kerosene. They're basically like a big tetra. Um, but they're not a fish I have a lot of experience with So, and, and have really followed and researched a lot. So I'm not really sure. I don't know if they're super easy to spawn and just no one does it. I've heard of people spawning them. I know it can be done. Or if, uh, or if they're pretty difficult, so they're just not done that often. I would think, though, that they're fairly easy if you have a big enough tank. But they're such a large species that, you know, if you have a big enough tank, yeah, you're probably not dedicating it to spawning them. It's probably a community tank. So you might be right on with that, Chewy, but it's just speculation. I, I don't know a ton about silver dollars. Small Fry Aquatics, 10 to 15 years of knowledge on African leaf. Cool. Need live insects, surface food, size is palm of an adult man's hand, so similar to the South American. Slow moving, heavily plants on the surface, spawning is difficult. Awesome, small fry, thank you. Um, so when you say surface food and live insects, will they ever take pellets and things or are they only ever going to eat live food. That's one of the challenges with the South American leaf fish is the adults, you're probably not going to ever get them to eat anything but live food. They're such a, they're episcopal and they're so cued into motion. I mean, you might be able to fool them with like a, a frozen shrimp that you thaw out and have tweezers or tongs and like shake around in front of them. Maybe, but you'd probably just scare them away if you do that. Um, so do, does it have to be live? Can they be trained to prepared foods? And can you keep them together? Are they, are they peaceful enough that you can keep them? Um, yeah. Well, that's awesome. 15 years with African leaf fish. 
Because if they can be kept in a big group, then it's something that I might seriously consider. If I have to keep them separate or they don't do well with each other or there's aggression issues among themselves, then it's then it's a challenge just because, uh, yeah, then I don't want to do that because I want to put them all in the same aquarium, basically. 44 Mad Guy 1. Hey, Mad Guy. Awesome to hear the news about the warehouse. Yeah, it's coming along. Coming along. I just... I, I haven't... I'm trying to be smart about it. I'm trying to get all the information. Like, I know the economics. I, I know how much this facility makes. So I can project with some accuracy or some confidence how much a larger facility will make um, if I just extrapolate. Um, I know costs, so I can extrapolate those. I, I know lots of things, but um, I'm trying to get... So that part's been done for a while. But I, I want to be kind of pretty accurate with my building costs and different fees for the city and the county and all that stuff that are going to come into play. Because if you build in the city, codes are different. So the cost of that building is different than if you build in the county, outside of the city, all that stuff. So I'm just trying to get it as accurate as possible so that when I talk to someone and say, hey, would you like to invest in this business? I really know what I'm talking about and can answer their questions. And it's not like, I just think it'd be cool to like sell fish. You in? Like I, I need to have more than that. So I feel like I'm close to that point. I'm just got to get a, a little more, a few more spaces on the spreadsheet checked off and get some more information in there. And then the rubber will hit the road and it'll be like either I can find a way to fund this or not. That's the new challenge. But I have quite a bit of fundraising experience. So, I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm like a professional at development, which is what we call, you know, fundraising for companies. But um, yeah, I've I've raised a lot of money, so I'm hopeful I can do it for this as well. In the past, it's always been for theater. So I'm hopeful I can do it for this too. JH Aquatics, this is my favorite live stream on YouTube. Shh, don't tell anybody. Well, thanks, Joseph. I appreciate that. But your live streams ain't bad either. Anyone that doesn't know, JH Aquatics does live streams often on Sunday. Um, and I lurk in them, but I'm so busy on Sundays like packing fish. Man, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday are just super long, super busy days. So I'll occasionally get in there and comment, but usually I, it's in the background. I'm just working. But for those that want a live stream, JH Aquatics has got one. A2 Joseph. <laughs> well, we got a Julius Caesar thing going on here. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, I feel like I must be a really acquired taste or or a little bit of an edge case or something because the people that like my streams and my videos really like them. But so far it's a pretty small, uh, a small, but enthusiastic cohort, I should say. Um, hasn't done what some of the other channels do, which is appeal to a, a broader mass. So I'm curious to see how that goes. Now, I mean, the only thing I know how to do, I, I guess is, is be authentic. You know, the only thing I know how to do is be me on camera and, That'll appeal to who it appeals to. I'm not going to chase likes and be like, hey, people like this. I'll just do all of that. And that, that gets a little fake. Ginger Graves, my bet in Bellis Mill has built an impressive bubble nest. He just, he's just waiting for one of the gals to take him 
up on it. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. That's amazing, Ginger. They're worth spawning. That's a species that we should have been spawning and distributing in great numbers in this hobby decades ago because of all the uh, benefits of it, you know. Everyone wants a better sorority because they want to keep bettas together. And those don't work out very often because betta splendens are just hard to keep in groups. Um, so, yeah, I want to get that. I want to get that going. All right. James Rutherford. When selling my guppies to my local fish store, they don't do well in his tanks. He uses RO water. Oh, oh yeah. And I use tap Minnesota liquid rock. How do I fix this without going RO? That's tricky, James. Um, I don't want to like point fingers or anything, but I would say that's on the store. If they're trying to keep guppies, I don't have a clue why they're doing it in RO water. Uh, guppies like hard water and they do well in hard water. And it's really difficult for a fish to go from hard water to soft water because of the osmotic pressure and we'll get into that. I, we could get into that. There's other live streams where I have, but basically fresh water, super soft water without minerals is trying to invade the fish's body. And the fish is working really hard to keep pumping that out or keep it from coming in and overwhelm it. Um, so it's maintaining what's called homeostasis. And that's a lot easier for a guppy or any other fish to do in hard water. They're not used to doing that and suddenly they're put into soft water, which RO is. Reverse osmosis, for those that might not know what RO stands for. It stands for reverse osmosis. It's the process of stripping pretty much everything out of the water except the water. In RODI, when you deionize the water, purifies it in even further. So you're taking away the hardness and uh, that's gonna be tough on that guppy. The way I do that, because I take fish from hard water and put them in, in soft water all the time because my water here is naturally soft. The way I get away with that is I use two cups of rock salt for every 30 gallons of water for the first few days that the fish are here well, the first day, and then it's gradually diluted over water changes. So that when the fish land here, they aren't suddenly put in really soft water. And I use medicines too, to kind of help them uh, while they're making that transition. I don't know of any way that a pet store without a separate quarantine system and things is going to be able to do that. So I suppose it would be on you. If you want to sell to that pet store, to find a way to gradually transition your guppies to RO before you sell them to him. But it just amazes me that there's a pet store that's using RO and trying to keep guppies in it. That's like, are they buying guppies from elsewhere and not having any problems? Because if that's the case, then maybe something else is going on. But because most guppies that he's getting or she that, that they are getting are going to he yeah you said that are going to be uh, raised in hard water that's just kind of how it's done generally there's exceptions uh, but like if you're Bentley Pasco and you live in Seattle or, or thereabouts you know maybe his guppies are probably fine in soft water because they're raised in it but your general pet store is buying from fish farms and wholesalers and those are generally coming from hard water sources. So I'm not sure. 
if he's getting guppies from elsewhere and they're doing fine, especially if he's getting them from Florida, and odds are he probably is, then it might not, it could be something else going on. Now, James, if you've only tried this once and you had a problem, then sometimes it's the tank they're put in. Sometimes the tank has pathogens in it, disease-causing organisms in it, that the fish that are in that tank are fine with, but another fish has never encountered that pathogen, gets put in that tank and just melts down very quickly. Um, this is similar to what happened like when the Europeans came to the Americas and brought smallpox with them. And the Native American populations, the indigenous populations, were not accustomed to smallpox, had no exposure to it, no immunity. And, and we all know what happened there. That's you know a horrible, tragic thing. That can happen to fish too. So if you've only tried it once, then it might be worth trying again, taking him a few and saying, let's spread them around the different tanks and see if they do okay. Um, but if that doesn't work, then I don't know, you could transition them to RO, but if he's getting guppies elsewhere and they're doing fine, then I would be surprised if the RO is the issue because the guppies he's getting from elsewhere are probably used to hard water. Those are my general thoughts without knowing the specifics of the situation. And I, I don't know if that was helpful at all, but that's where my mind goes when I hear about that problem. And also I'm wondering, what is this dude doing using RO for guppy tanks in his store? That's strange. 2ELTD, I find that very few, few people get into spawning the tetras. I understand not wanting to spawn neons from the aspect of value. But what types of tetras should people try to spawn? I think it's perfectly fine to spawn neon tetras. They're a blast. I've spawned them. They're totally fun. They're easy. They're hardy. They're colorful. Why not? Um, I think the main challenge with tetras is just the tiny, tiny size of the fry. Most people aren't going to be able to raise super, super teeny, teeny, tiny fry um, just because it takes a different kind of food. You can't just do a cichlids and keep feeding them flakes and they figure it out or with live bears, same kind of thing, right? You have to either feed them super, super small live organisms like infusoria. And I would recommend for anyone interested in learning how to do that, that you go to Mark's Aquatics on YouTube um, let me look it up here and make sure. Yeah, this guy, Mark's Aquatics. He's out of the UK. Tons and tons and tons of videos on breeding fish like Danios and Tetras and stuff. And he shows you, I'm going to go ahead and link that into the chat now for you. He shows you how to create infusoria cultures and he goes from the spawn through the eggs, through the hatching and, and kind of shows you how to raise them up. It's a really good channel for breeding like egg scatterers. So I would recommend that. The other thing I would recommend is on my channel, I have a video, um, maybe one of the mods could link it up with uh, Chase, who, Kleinstecker, who has bred many, many egg scatterers, um, tetras, barbs, all kinds of stuff. And he has his method of doing that. And often he'll use really finely powdered food. And the way he makes that work is he'll take, um, you could take like golden pearls, which would be like a five to 50 micron powder or something else that that's fine. That, that is that finely granulated, right? It's just a fine powder. Or you could take pellets or flakes, grind them up with a mortar and pistol. That's what he does. 
And then you take either of those, you put them in a small vial of water, like half full of water, and you shake it really well. And then you set it down and you let it settle. This is important. What's going to happen is a lot of the particulates are going to fall to the bottom. But there's going to be several that stay suspended in the water column. That's what you want to feed little baby tetras and barbs to start if you're not doing infusoria and paramecium and rotifers and other living microorganisms. That's what Chase does. And the key is to feed that stuff that stays in the middle of the water column after you shake up that vial because the tetras, the babies, are going to be mid-water and that's where they're going to find their food. So I think... More people don't spawn tetras just because of the difficulty to raise small enough live food to raise the babies. But I think with Chase Kleinstecker's method, um, you could maybe do it without that stuff. He's been doing it just fine. And by the way, let me show you his website. This is a great website. I'll link it up here. This is Chase's Fishes. And he's got just an amazing amount of information on here about breeding fish, all kinds of different fish. Like, look at all these, all these articles on these fish, a lot of which he's bred and raised. Um, for some reason, my screen's cutting off his website, but here you go, chasesfishes.net for anyone interested in figuring out how to breed egg scatterers like tetras and barbs is the first place I would look. In that video I did with him, because he describes it in detail could be quite helpful. But I think that's why Chewy LTD. But as more people learn about Chase's method, I think that more people will probably raise little egg scatterers, but they're a challenge. Live bearers are super easy. Uh, Rift Lake cichlids that are mouth brooders and, or parental, you know, really guard, really good parents are super easy. So that's why I feel like hobbyists generally raise those fish, just because it's easier to do. Yeah. Now, what types of tetras should people try to spawn? There's a lot of tetras out there that are, I mean, if it's for profit or for like making fish available that we just can't get other ways, there are lots of kerosens tetras out there that, um, that just aren't available very often or have a very high price point. And that's what I would start with. My favorite one that I would love someone to crack. If anyone cracks this fish, I will buy some from you. It's called Kerosidium rakavai. This is my favorite Tetra that I can never find. I've only got it once. It's from Uruguay. It's, it's basically a darter Tetra. It has no swim bladder, so it, it darts around the bottom like a hummingbird Tetra might or a darter Tetra. Um, and this picture doesn't really show it, but this is bright orange, and these dots are, are kind of a dark black when they're in good coloration. And there's some of that pattern here and some on the anal fin. But you can kind of see I was kind of perching on the rock there. That's what they do. They, they're like a darter, like a North American darter, more or less. But, but they're a kerosene, which is kind of cool. So that's when I love people to spawn. Um, TM Aquatics has some, I believe, what are they called? Watermelon tetras. I can't remember exactly. But um, he's got some uncommon tetras that he's planning on spawning. So I'd say anything that's just not that common, like let's – Let's get it out there. Let's make it so we can keep it and, and do well with it. So, yeah, those are my thoughts. I, I mean, specific species, Kerasidium rakavai, because I love it. 
but there's lots of them that still are fairly rare and command a high price point. I think any of the Capellas, I, I don't know if these are Tetras per se, but um, they are definitely a Kerosene. Oh, yes, I meant Coppolas, not Capellas. Oh, no, that's Frank Coppolas. <laughs> Hang on, Coppella fish. Let's see if that works. Yeah, here we go. Okay, so these. So these include the splash tetras and lots of other species, some of which are substrate spawners, some of which um, actually guard the nest and things like that. So I think that this is just a fascinating group of tetras, which would be amazing to breed. There's, there's lots of kinds of them. Um, and what's the other one? Like the black morpho tetra. That's a cool one. Anyway, those are my thoughts on that question. Team Aquatics. Yeah. Hemigrammus corolius. Ah. Did I say that? Corolius? Hemigrammus corolius, maybe. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate that. <laughs> Buckaloo for you. Link to that fish. <laughs> Which fish, Buckaloo? Um, was that the Kerasidium? I'm going to think it is and put a link in there for you. Since it's super easy for me to do because I was just there. There we go. Kerasidium Rakavi. I think that's what you're talking about. Here you go. Awesome fish. Had it once. Unfortunately, the person that was kind of helping hobbyists go to Uruguay and collect and then uh, import their fish back from Uruguay, uh, passed away uh, a little while ago, a few years ago now, actually. And so, um, so they just aren't coming in very often anymore. Oh, the darter. Yeah, that's it. Kerasidium racavi. Yep. Did that. All right. So I want to, um, oh, what's the other one? Weitzmanai. Uh, Weitzmanai, what's the genus name? Weitzmanai tetra. This this is one of my holy grail fish too. Posilio charax Weitzmanai. Yeah, the black morpho. These guys. These have always tickled my fancy. Um, I don't think I've ever seen one in the flesh ever. I would love to. Rachel O'Leary did a pretty good video on these, but this is one that I would love to get and breed at some point. They're different than your typical egg scatterer. These are a cave spawner, so the male, as I understand it, will claim a cave and will spawn in it and guard it, kind of like a peacock gudgeon or something along those lines. So that's one that I would, I would love to get my hands on uh, just as a fun project. Just as something, a fish that I've been fascinated by for, for a long, long time and never actually that I can remember ever actually seen it in person. 44 Mad Guy 1, what are you going to build the fish racks out of in the new facility? Same thing, two by fours. So it'll be the same as what I'm using now. Um, just kind of the Ted Judy system. I don't know if he invented it, but that's where I learned it from was Ted Judy's YouTube channel where you kind of dado out grooves in the vertical support and put the uh, horizontal support in there to create a continuous uh, 
stability all the way up the leg of the rack. I've got a video on my YouTube channel about building racks um, where you can see exactly the process I use. That's what I would do with one improvement, which I've done in some of the fish room down here, which is um, putting probably a quarter inch to half inch sheet of plywood that spans the legs front to back. That way they won't tip, like they're pretty stable lengthwise, but front to back, there's only 18 inches. So, you know, I don't want anything shifting that way. So that plywood, putting that plywood there really helps stabilize the rack. So I might do that. I might add some of that. Although they're only 40 gallon aquariums, I'll be using 40 gallon breeders. Um, and that's another thing I've been doing is talking to aquarium manufacturers to price those out. So I think they'll be okay without it, but I might put it in just for peace of mind. Yep. But it's worked really well for me. I know some people have trouble with it and don't like it. Like Greg Sage has a video where he just is like, talks about how much he hates that rack system and how it doesn't work for him. It's worked great for me for many, many years uh, in this facility and in others. So that's what I'm going with. I'm not going to paint them or anything. Um, wait, wait, orange. Oh, wow. Orange cones. My friend in Peru has Kerasidi Maracavi. They spawn for her. Oh man, I'm so jelly. Oh, that is, awesome. I mean, the one we know generally from Kerasidium is, um, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, fasciatum, right? This is the one that we can generally get. And it's cool. It's, it's, it's very similar. See how it's perching on the rock and everything. The difference is it doesn't have that color. It doesn't have that bright orange dorsal and anal fin. Um, and in the rack of eye, they're really extended and beautiful with that black marbling. I just think that's a spectacular fish. So we're all familiar. Most, a lot of us are familiar with the hummingbird tetra, uh, which is that one. Um, but man, I'm so jelly that that she's got the Rakovai and is spawning them. I've had them once. I tried really hard to spawn them. I never could, or maybe I did, but I never got eggs and raised babies. And I think the reason is I ended up with two males and one fish that I think was female, but she never filled out. You know how sometimes you'll see a, a fish with kind of a pinched belly? And sometimes you can medicate it and take care of it and feed it well, and it'll gradually gain weight and become a big, healthy, robust fish. She never did that. Like I kept trying and trying and she never really uh, got over whatever had caused that. And so she just never filled with eggs that I could tell. Yeah, man, I tried though. 44 mag guy one, cool. Well, groovy. Okay, here we go. Kids Aquatics at Dance Fish. Any sponsors or will you accept them? I... I don't have any sponsors at this time. I don't plan on having any sponsors. Part of the reason, I mean, part of the reason is I, I use very few products. Like this is a, a working fish room and I don't have a retail store where I'm, you know, dealing with the, I don't know, average aquarist that has a pretty aquarium in their room and wants fancy lights and filters and all that. I'm not selling that stuff. All I'm really trying to do is get interesting species of fish 
and make sure they're healthy before I send them out and send them in a way that they get their life. So the fish themselves are my focus, not the products that surround them. So for those that come in September, um, KOA fish camping trip, fish fam camping trip on the, what was it again? 14th, 15th and 16th, I believe. Yep. 14th, 15th and 16th in Billings, Montana. Go to KOA fish fam camping trips, Facebook group. If you want to know more. Um, but for those that go to that and come to my fish room, you'll see it's very sparse as far as equipment. I have LED shop lights across the top, um, up above the tanks, about 10 to 12 inches. That's the lighting. I've got a sponge filter and a box filter in pretty much each tank. That's the air and filtration. Most of the tanks are bare bottom, water sprite up top, uh, Java moss down below. Bob knows this. I'm just saying this um, for other folks. So I don't have a lot of equipment that I use that any sponsor could say, hey, you use this, we'll sponsor you. Um, I'm not interested. I don't want to use hang on backs because I don't like the gap between the end of the filter and the start of the lid where fish will jump. Um, I don't like having to plug in separate filters for every aquarium. I like just to have a central air pump and have the whole room operate off that. So I can't think of any sponsor that would be interested in me because I use very few products made just for the aquarium hobby. I don't have fancy fluval lights. You know, I don't have, I have a fluval canister filter and I love it, but it just runs the one tank. It's this tank behind me, the display tank. Everything else is just air driven stuff. So I guess I will say if Fluval wanted to sponsor me and they're not going to at 6,101 <laughs> subs, <laughs> it's what we were at earlier today. Um, but if they wanted to sponsor me, I would accept that sponsorship because I've used Fluval products since I can remember and I've always liked them. I found them to be high quality build and last a long time and do their job well. So if Fluval wanted to sponsor me, I would be comfortable with that. If PE Mysis, Pisene Energetics, I should say, uh, is the name of the company, wanted to sponsor me, I would do that because I've been using their food for years and I think it's high quality and I like how it doesn't negatively impact the environment because what they're collecting is an invasive species. It's a shrimp that should not be in the lakes that it's in because it was introduced there and they harvest that and turn it into fish food. That's great. That's helping conserve the natural environment, not destroy it. Um, so there are a few, a few companies that I would accept a sponsorship from because I believe in them and I've used them for a long time, but I don't think they'd be interested in me because I don't have that much going on as far as hobby related, like fancy aquarium schmaz, doodads and whatnots. Like a new light comes out. I'm like, I don't care. I've got my LED shop lights that I got on e on Amazon, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, okay. Oops, jumped on me. I'm finding it again. Um, I don't have the problem. You know, a lot of people feel like sponsors are a conflict of interest. And I don't have that problem because I've always, I feel, I feel like no matter what, I'd be honest about the product. Um, no matter what, even if they were sponsoring me, if it sucked, I would say that. So I don't feel internally that conflict of interest. Yeah. So that part doesn't bother me. 
But for me, it's basically about, um, it's really focused on the fish themselves and making that experience as high level as it can be. Because I feel like right now, a lot of times people have a really bad experience when they buy fish, either from a fish store, um, some, a mom and pop sometimes, you know, how many mom and pops quarantine and really take care of stuff before you buy it? Some do. I love mom and pops. I'm not, eh, I'm not, I don't want to be all negative about it, but the reality is a lot of people get fish that are not ready to be gotten and the same with buying online. So that's my focus. That's my entire focus right now. Christopher Gonzalez. Hey everybody. I just came into the live stream. What's the meaning behind the title of the live stream? Can someone please fill me in pre 54 punchy aquarium fish stream. So there is a wonderful lady in this fish hobby named 54 punchy is her username. She's a mod for me here. You can see her comment up above. Hey, Dan. Hey, Pam. Um, and she's going to be streaming after me. So at 915 Mountain Time, she's going to do a live stream. So since I'm before her, I'm calling it the, the pre-54 Punchy live stream. Because um, the last few weeks, she's live streamed after me. And I keep forgetting to remind people during my stream that 54 Punchy is going to be after me. Uh, which I want to do for her because she's amazing. And so if I put it in the title, I didn't forget it. So that's why I put it in this week. It's not generally called that, but that was a reminder to myself <laughs> to let everyone know that 54 Punchy is live streaming tonight after me. So that's it. That's it, Christopher Gonzalez. Orange cones, she collected them. So a friend in Peru that collected Karasiti Maracavai maybe three years ago. They call them Hummers there. Yeah. I'm so jelly. I love that fish. Fish tube, what will you do with all the aquariums you have now? So I will show you exactly what I'm going to do with those. Okay, let me bring up a picture to show you that. Okay, here it is. Hang on, let me get this over where you can see it. Good enough. Okay. So all these here, these white rows are all aquariums. And in the middle here, these are all 40 gallon breeders and I can fit 298 of them here in this current configuration. This is my quarantine system and I might need to extend that here too. We'll see how that goes. This though, this is all the 75 gallons. So I'm gonna move them into the warehouse um, and I can fit all of them right here along this wall. So I can fit every 75 gallon I have right here. So that's the plan. That's at, as of this moment, what I'm gonna do, what I'm planning on doing. And then I will set up maybe a few aquariums down here in the basement along one wall only, uh, just for display, maybe a, maybe a couple large aquariums, 125 gallons, something like that. And then on the same wall, a rack of small aquariums for breeding. So that's kind of the idea just on one wall so we can draw a curtain over it, like a theater curtain, a stage curtain, uh, when we don't need it to be visible so we can set this up as like a really nice studio. So we can cover up the aquariums for certain things so we don't have light bounce and all that stuff. So this space down here, we're gonna reclaim as a studio. I do the YouTube thing. My wife records podcasts. Um, her podcast is Lady Romance if you're into romance novels. And um, 
And so we, we want a good studio for that. And we might, we might put like a ping pong table down here for the kids, stuff like that too. So that's the plan, moving most of it over, all of it over there actually, and then just setting up something down here that will work in a studio situation. I need to up my game. Um, for those that are familiar with my channel, I feel like the information's good, but the production value is really low. Like right now I'm glary, I don't have good lights on me. The microphone's okay, but the lighting's bad. You know, I, I, I wanna set up a studio so I can up the YouTube game a little bit. Um, I feel like that might be one reason why the channel isn't growing as quickly as perhaps some other channels, because a lot of them just have higher production value. They just make better looking, better sounding video. So that's the plan. Alrighty, Terrence, back to Terrence. Sounds like your fish room is the smart fish room. Well, it's definitely the uh, DIY, like, yeah, I'm, I've tried to make it as less, as little clutter and as functional as I can. So over the years, I've kind of learned what works for me. I know what equipment I'll use. I know what I won't. Um, you know, I, I don't like clutter all around, stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, I'll use sponge filters. I'll get those. I'll use these. I'll get them. I'll use this. I'll get that. But all the little doodads and stuff, I, I just don't worry about it. Like a new filter comes out. I'm like, dude, sponge filters have worked for ever. They're going to keep working. I'll just stick with that. <laughs> but thanks, Terrence. I'm, I'm glad you like the sound of it. Killers Aquatics, $20 super chat. Bob, thank you so much. As ever, very much appreciated. Never required, but it does make the wife super happy. Thanks. Up your game. Hashtag up your game, says Bob. Candy overalls, five bucks. Candy, thank you. Just seen if this thing works with a heart. Oh, right back at you, Candy. Hearts back at you. Thanks, folks. I appreciate, I appreciate and appreciate the super chats. Um, they go a long way. They're always helpful and very much appreciated. All right. Okay, hang on. Jumped on me. Jumped on me. Just a moment. Hey, uh, Dolly, I just saw you. I'll get to you, Dolly Vigil. Because Aquatics, I use PE Mysis also. In my opinion, one of the highest quality uh, prepared foods out there there is. Pellets and flakes is what I call prepared foods, right? Processed foods. Yep. I think it's great. Medina Aquatics, any plans to start carrying Microgeophagus ramseri, aka German blue rams, gold electric blue and black rams? They are beautiful South American fish. And Medina, they're one of my favorites. I love them and I love each color variety. I, I'm not so into like the long fin and the balloon or any of that, but a standard Microgeophagus rams, um, I just call them ramseri, ramirezi, um, as long as it's standard fins and body shape, all the different color morphs I, I like a lot. So here's the plan. In this first expansion, probably not. Probably no discus, probably no uh, German blue rams or anything because I'm going to keep that facility at a temperature that they won't like. I'll keep it a little too cold for them mid to upper 70s, because that's good for a wide variety of fish. Now, the plan, though, is to eventually expand and create a facility dedicated to fish that have those particular needs. So 
to create a facility that's kept at about 85 degrees or so. Um, I'll probably keep the facility at 86. That'll make the water temperature roughly 84 in the middle, in the middle tanks. Um, and then that facility will be full of discus and rams and other fish that need the warmth or that like the warmth. So not at first. I mean, I see them every week on the lists and I love them. And every week I'm like, man, I wish I could get those, but it would do them a disservice to get them now because I don't have a warm enough facility. And when I get the new facility, the, the warehouse upgrade, um, that won't be set up for that either. Because if I do that, then it excludes so many other species that don't do well at the higher temperatures. So I have to uh, wait till I can dedicate a separate facility to them. And the plan is to get, you know, five or six of these facilities going on the same piece of property. So we'll build the first one. We'll go. Um, we'll make sure that's profitable and growing. And once we've maxed out what we can do in that building and we've got our systems as high quality yet efficient as we can and we know how to work that, um, then is the time to expand and add a second building, probably sharing a wall or whatever with the first building and then do a new thing in there. So I imagine eventually I imagine a building that's, you know, pretty much full of live bears and another one's pretty much full of different catfish, plecos and quarries and all kinds of stuff. And so, and it's not necessarily, I should, I shouldn't say that. It's not quite like that, but buildings set up for fish with different needs. So we can keep all kinds of different stuff as well as shrimp and as well as plants and as well as other stuff that I'm not a huge expert on, but, uh, you know, we'll hire people who are so together, hopefully we'll have like the dream team. That's the ultimate goal with this. But right now, even the first expansion is just a drawing on paper and a few spreadsheets. So, you know, we've got a long way to go, but yep, can't keep them because I can't keep that first building hot enough for them. And I'm not going to do like separate heaters and tanks and all that. Um, it's, it's gotta be a complete system. All right. Dolly Vigil. Hey, I'm back. What's the status of the female thread pin? <laughs> I can't read thread fins, please. Well, so glad you asked Dolly Vigil. Um, let me show you. So we got some here. They're doing great. Um, Threadfin. Here they are, females. I got five right now. And they're pretty cool. So, yep. I've got some for you. If you want them, order them up. They're right there at Get Gills. By the way, Threadfin Acaras, they're pretty awesome. This picture is horrible. I have to replace my picture because it looks just horrible. But... Threadfin Akara is looking good too. But yeah, this is a great batch dolly. They've been doing well since the get-go. They're fat. They're sassy. I think that I think these are going to do well for you. And we'll finally, after months, get Dolly Vigil some female Threadfin rainbow fish. <laughs> what was it, last November or December when, <laughs> when we first started trying to do that for you? It's, been a, it's the saga, the Dolly Vigil saga are you guys being mean to 54 punchy well she probably deserves it no <laughs> um true ltd 
Has your wife got a YouTube page? There are a few authors making themselves, marketing themselves on YouTube as well through podcasts. Nope, she's not doing, I shouldn't say that. She does, uh, not really. Um, she's got a couple little things out there. So not really. Um, mostly right now it's the podcasts and her, um, she's got a blog, she's got podcasts, and she has a web page and a Facebook page and a mailing list. And some other stuff. Yeah. But not so much on YouTube yet. The Fish Tank Barn, $4.99. Super Chat, thanks so much. Sorry I missed it earlier. Yes, it works, Candy. Dan, do you have an update on the Long Fin, Long Fun Santa Maria project? <laughs> they are Long Fun. The Long Fin Santa Maria project. Yeah, the, the update basically is that I put the double sword uh, males in in one tank with a group of females, they're going to drop really soon. They're pretty big, but that drop is a drop they were hit up with probably before they got put in with these males. So I'll remove all those babies when they come out. And the next batch is the one that I'll raise up for the, you know, double sword, long, nice long tail fins. Because this first group probably doesn't have them. It's probably still the genetics of the previous males that were in that tank. So with guppies and endlers and stuff, um, often you let the females drop. And if they're in with the desired male at that point, then he has a good chance of being the father of the next batch, or at least of a substantial part of the next batch. So that's kind of the strategy there. Scoop out the old male's genes and then the next batch will raise up. So we've got a little while. Um, I don't know exactly when they're going to drop, but it's probably going to be Oh, kind of glancing over the tank right now. I don't know. It might be this week. And as soon as they do, then it'll be about a month. So until we get the first batch that I think is going to be the start, the real start of that project. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a long-term thing. Um, my, my hope is three generations, but it could be longer. It depends on how good that... So it depends on those males' genes. Um, I'm really unhappy with the colors on them, but I'm really happy with the shape, like the silhouette, that nice long, I call it swallowtail, double sword tail that they have going on. They're, they're a beautiful silhouette. So it just depends on how much of the right color comes out, how quickly. So that's going to be, I think, the main determining factor on that project. For those that don't know, that's a Santa Maria Endler. Uh, we're working on breeding. Uh, they're an amazing fish. They're beautiful. A carrion fish nerd. Is coral pencil, pencil fish easy to get? I would say that the coral pencil fish is available, but expensive. So yes, they're, I would say they're easy to get. I can, they're on they're on my list almost every week. I could order them pretty much every week, but the price point is always so high that I just don't ever do it. So they're out there. They're just really expensive. I mean, they're beautiful. They're totally worth it. If it, if I was just like, I, that's the perfect fish for this aquarium, I personally would spend the money to get them. I think they're amazing. But I shy away from fish that are super... <laughs> <laughs> expensive. 
I mean, the right, there has to be a really, the right things have to be in place for me to do that. And they're not in place with that fish on this, from this supplier at, at this time. Yeah. I've got to be able to resell them basically. And if I can't get them at a price point where I'm confident I can make my markup and resell them, then I don't get them. And I have to do that. I have to be disciplined about that. I can't be like, oh, but it's super cool. I'll, I'll only mark them up this much because that's the beginning of, of it's already tenuous enough trying to make uh, enough of a profit to stay alive in this industry. And so I just have to set pretty hard and fast rules with myself about that. So if I know that with my markup, they're going to be just more expensive than I would pay for them or that I, it's not even that I'll pay ridiculous amounts of money for fish. I'm weird like that, but the market has to make sense. And if I can't make it, I just don't get the fish. So I'm hopeful that I can find them from another supplier. Well, I know where I can get them and it would make sense, but I don't have the bulk to do that yet. That would be a massive order. So hopefully with the warehouse, I can do that. I did talk to a, a person today um, about this. So right now to order direct, to import directly, say I want to bring a bunch of fish in from South America or Asia or Africa on my own import license. To do that now, I, I mean, the license is no problem, fishing game and customs. I know how to navigate all that. I've done all that before. The killer for me is that the closest airport that I can make them legal at, go through the customs and fish and game process and get them into the United States is Denver. And that's a two day process for me. That's, that's a long drive. Um, there's a small window when the fish can get in there and the fish and game office is still open. And then I've got to drive back. So it's, it's a long grueling two day process every time I do that. So I'm willing to do that occasionally, but I know that's going to burn me out. So I've been contacting people and I, I talked to one in, in Los Angeles today that's insane. Look, if I import directly, will you get them, pick them up from the airport, get them processed, change the water and then send them on a plane to me here in Wyoming or Billings, Montana, which is a couple hours away. Um, so I don't have to make this super long drive every time. And so far I've got some interest, so I think that might work. And that that's one way I plan on getting fish in the future when I get the warehouse is direct orders from the exporters in the countries where these fish come from. There's just some uh, logistics to making that happen, making sure everyone knows what they're doing is reliable. And this person is, I've been working with this person. I, I know this person well. But um, and everyone has the proper licenses and, and is familiar with the procedures and stuff to get the fish through fish and game and customs. FishTube, it's OSHA legal, illegal to set up a facility that's not 66 to 74 degrees. Maybe, but in an agriculture facility where that's the requirement of the thing being grown. Sorry, OSHA. Like, I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what else to say, except for I've worked in many places that were not 66 to 74 degrees for sure. For sure. True LTD, what do you think of filtering with peat moss and dolomite in filter boxes? I mean, I know it works for some people. Um, I've, so I've done the peat moss thing 
The problem you run into with peat moss is unless it's a pretty thin layer, it gets anaerobic bacteria built up on it, in it. So I used to take peat moss and put it in like a pantyhose, like, you know, and tie it off. So it'd be like, I don't know, four or five inches by however big around a pantyhose is when it's pretty packed full of peat moss. And that was always a problem because it would stagnate in the middle and it'd start smelling real bad. And I was like, oh, this isn't good. This is probably doing all kinds of harm in there. So I took it out. So I think that with peat moss, the, the name of the game is a thin enough layer so that water actually flows through it. I like what Chase Kleinstecker does. He takes the peat moss in his box filters and he sandwiches it between like a couple layers of polyfill. So you might only have, I don't know, half an inch to an inch layer of peat moss in there and it's sandwiched between that polyfill so the water is constantly circulating up and through it. That's the way to do it, something like that. Whatever you're doing, however you're using it, make sure that water is flowing through it so it doesn't stagnate and go anaerobic on you. Um, so when I first started breeding killies and stuff, I, I tried that and I had that problem. And I still see videos in fish rooms where I go in and there's a pantyhose stuffed full of peat moss thrown in the aquarium. And uh, I don't think that's the way to do it. But I mean, it can be effective for sure. 54 Punchy, I got some moss from Dan Slee last week. Awesome. Howdy, Dan Slee. Put it in a gallon jar in front of the window to hold. Saw movement today for Sudamugil Gertrude fly. <laughs> fly, fry. Dan Slee, you're selling hitchhikers? No, that's like a bonus. That's awesome. <laughs> Buy plants from Dan Slee. You might get cool free fry. That's awesome. Put them in a tub of rice fish fry. That's great. Cool. Now, I'm always a little leery. In fact, I got to make sure I do that of selling plants because my tanks have all kinds of like snails and scuds and detritus worms and stuff like that in them. And, you know, some people really hate it when they buy plants and they get those hitchhikers. But the kind from Dan Slee, that's the kind you want. Fish eggs. Dolly Vigil, I ordered it. Can't can't tell you how happy I am. Awesome. Dolly finally ordered. <laughs> it's been months. <laughs> Hell froze over. A new dimension has been entered. Dolly Vigil has ordered his female threadfin rainbows. <laughs> OTG or I'm sorry, GT Organic Aquatics. Hello and good evening. Well, hello, GT Organics Aquatics. Welcome. Glad you made it. <laughs> All right. Oh, Dan Slee doesn't have plants for sale. Only share or trade. All right. Well, if you have pygmy quarries, I bet you could get Dan Slee to trade you for some plants with some Gertrude eggs in them. That's just my thought. Friday Fish Facts. Hey, glad you made it. Welcome. Welcome, Ron. Those red pencils are beautiful. Yeah, TM Aquatics has the coral pencils. They are fantastic looking. In fact, TM Aquatics, I'm digging your videos, man. You're doing a good job. For those that are looking for another channel to check out, it's worth checking out TM Aquatics. Pretty good production value. Awesome fish. Beautiful aquariums. And a lot of knowledge. So worth checking out if you're looking. If you're looking. 
All right. I think that we have reached the pinnacle and passed it with this live stream. So in a few minutes, I'm going to shut it down. What I'm going to see is if anyone has a question or comment that they really want done right now, go ahead and post it now. We'll get through that little batch that might or might not appear. Once we're done with that, we'll start shutting it down. So while we're waiting to see if any more questions or comments come in, then I'd like to take a moment to thank my mods. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you all so much. Like truly. So thank you. Um, and I'd like to thank everyone that gave a super chat. Thank those that kept the discussion lively with questions and comments and those that helped others in the chat, you know, chatting among yourselves. That's all good stuff too. I should shout out the Get Gills Facebook page. It's a good place to hang out and thank the people that helped me make that happen. So thanks to those folks too. And um, with that, just one last reminder that the KOA Fish Fam camping trip in Billings, Montana is happening September 14th, 15th, and 16th. You can come here to this Facebook group. You can get the information. You can ask the questions. Uh, this is the brainchild of like 54 Punchy. Um, Candy Overhauls has been very active in it as well. And so I personally would love to see you there. I don't get to hang out with fish nerds that often. And for those that missed it, I'm opening my facility up. So during that trip, you'll be able to come here and geek out and look at everything and uh, take any videos you want. I'll cook a barbecue. It should be a good time. So anyway, that's Oh, no, we got one more. Terrence Blayton, do you jam out to music when you clean your fish room? And if so, what do you listen to? Sometimes I do, but usually I'm listening to uh, like brain food. So I listen to like the Oxford Union speeches and discussions out of Oxford University. Uh, different folks on uh, YouTube or on Stitcher podcasts and things. It's usually kind of intellectual stuff like I'll listen to all kinds of stuff. I'm on a Jordan Peterson kick recently. I, I just discovered him a couple weeks ago. And I don't agree with everything the guy says, but he's an interesting person to listen to, just his thought process and how he formulates arguments and things. I mean, I disagree with his standard present uh, premise, but but I like listening to him. I'll listen to him. I'll listen to people that disagree with him. I'll listen to all kinds of stuff. I listen to a lot of business stuff like um, Gary V. I've listened to him most of the day today, but lots of different business folks. Um, I like This Week in Startups quite a lot with Jason Calacanis, stuff like that. Um, or I'll listen to books on tape. I'm listening to Seth Godin right now. So stuff like that. But every now and then I'll be like, I need a break brain done, <laughs> body tired. And usually what I do in that case is I go to Spotify and I'm like, okay, something like relaxing classical, just calm me down, like and let my brain decompress. So that's usually what it ends up being. When I listen to music for fun, it's like David Bowie and stuff like that. Queen, you know, that kind of stuff. Pomp rock. All right. Um, Tech Turtle. All right. I made it through a live stream first time in a while. Well, congratulations, Tech Turtle. <laughs> Good night. Buckaloo for you. Why do you live so far away from the rest of the world? No, it's that the world lives far away from me. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> All right. Good night. Oh, pal, Joey just made it. WC. Yeah, I like I like me some WC for sure. Um, anyway, thanks, everybody, for another wonderful live stream. We'll be back next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, like always. Hopefully, you'll have some good news about the uh, new warehouse build to tell you about. We'll see. Um, until then, I hope you have a good one. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.